So we're going to continue our message series this morning through the book of Colossians. And as I spent time studying these verses this past week uh, that we're going to be looking into deeper, there was something going on that, that I, I wanted to quick highlight before we really get going. And, and that is that Paul speaks these words in the third verse of chapter 4. He says, pray for us too that God would give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. And then he says this, that is why I am here in chains. Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians in chains, in prison. And he's there because of his faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I think we're so fortunate in this country that, that, that many of us don't even think about this fact. In, in fact, many of us are not even aware that these things are going on in the world around us. But the reality is, is that for many millions of Christians around the world today, this is the truth. That, that there are men and women facing persecution, facing imprisonment, facing even circumstances of life and death because of their faith. In Jesus Christ. And so we don't see that here. We don't experience that here very often, but that in true has been what it's been like for Christians since the beginning of the church. We can see it in the book of Acts. And the reason I bring this up to you this morning before we start is because November is set aside as the national, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And so in a moment, I want to pray for those around the world who are facing this real persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. But before I do, I wanted to fill you in on a couple of troubling statistics that you might not be aware of. I mean, listen to this. Over 245 million Christians live in 50 countries ranked on the world's watch list as the worst countries for Christians. Last year, in these countries alone, over 4,000 Christians were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Over 1,200 churches and Christian buildings were targeted and attacked in those countries. And over 2,600 believers were detained, arrested, or sentenced and imprisoned, most of which never faced a trial. That happened last year in these countries. And so, can we just take a moment as we begin our service to pray for them? Let me pray now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Comes to my mind when I think because we, we live in a country where this isn't really a fear for most of us in most places. God, we can come here this morning, we drove here, we can sing songs together, we can meet together, we can open your word together, we can praise you together, and God, I'm not fearful. And I thank you for that freedom that we share and enjoy here. But Lord, I know that for many around this world, that is not the case. There are some that are meeting this morning in a private place, wondering what could possibly happen to them if they were found out. And Lord, I pray for not only protection for them and strength for them, but Lord, continue to give them boldness and courage as they live their life following you. Be with them in a special way today, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. 
So I bring that up, and it's relevant to us today because as we continue through Colossians, we see, once again, Paul writing this letter from chains and in prison. And in in these verses, Paul is encouraging us, fellow believers, to be sharing our faith with other people around the world. To which maybe you're thinking the same thing I was thinking. And what I was thinking was, you mean to tell me that you want me to take advice about sharing my faith from a guy sitting in prison for sharing his faith? Doesn't seem very smart. But yes, that's what I'm asking. To which you might respond, well, well couldn't this be dangerous? It, it could be. To which you might say, well, could I be mocked or could I be persecuted for this? And I say, yes, that, that is a real possibility. And because of those possibilities, it is more critical that we pay attention and follow Paul's instructions as well as what we can. And so Paul, yes, he wrote this letter to the Colossians from prison, but he also wrote Philippians. He also wrote to the people of the Ephesians to, to, from prison. And I go, why? Why go through that? Why, 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 God, why risk it? And I think the answer is because Paul's life has been radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and when your life has been radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, you can't hold it inside. Paul believed and he experienced firsthand the good news of Jesus Christ, of who Jesus is, of what Jesus has done, and he declares unashamedly, he says, he is the truth, here's the truth, Jesus is the Son of God, and, and he is here to offer salvation to everyone who believes. In fact, in Philippians, he shares more about Jesus, and he says that he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross, and in doing this, he became the sacrifice for your and my sins, and he paid the penalty that we deserve to pay. Then he rose again three days later, conquering death once and for all, and as a result, Result of that, all who believe and all who follow him, we, 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 all who have put their faith in him, we are forgiven and we're free. And we can be confident that there is a place for us as followers of Jesus Christ in eternity with him. This, this is the good news. In fact, this is great news that this is the truth. And so I don't know your story, and I'm sure that your journey in life is different than mine. But for those of us who have trusted Jesus as our saviors, there's one thing that we share in common. There's hope. Hope that our last breath on this earth is not our final breath. Hope that we have a home in heaven waiting for us, and Jesus Christ has handed us the key to the front gate. You know, I, I don't know what your story is. Mine, I, I was a young boy when I came to know Jesus as my Savior. I was a young boy, and I had heard about Jesus. I heard about what he did. I heard about who he was. I heard about how much he loved me, and I was instantly captivated by this. 
I, I instantly fell in love with him and, and wanted to follow him with my life. Of course, as I grew and, and I went into my teenage years, I, I had days and moments and, and weeks and months where I didn't follow, where I went my own way and I began to choose paths of, of, of selfishness and paths of following things that I thought would make me happy. I thought would fill holes and voids in my life. And I pursued them. And even in times where I knew, I knew God loved me and he was with me, I chose specifically not to follow him and to go my own way. But the thing that I have now come to realize is that that he never stopped pursuing me. He never stopped loving me. He was always quick to forgive me. And, and, and I know he has never left my side. And so I thank Jesus for that, that he is with me now. And that is what he does. He takes our lives, he takes any person's life, and he does that. No matter who you are, you are not exempt from this good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what you have done, God can work in your life and begin to change you. He has made a way back to himself through Jesus Christ. And then he gives us strength and he gives us wisdom to go at life the way he designed to be lived. And so I say this to say, if you're in this room today and maybe you've never trusted Jesus with your life, you haven't chosen to follow him, I want to encourage you this morning that, that you would consider, just, just consider such a decision today. As the truth is, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has changed many of your lives. And, and, and this is what happened in Paul's life. And he can't keep the good news to himself. No chains are thick enough. No prison walls are deep enough. No persecution is bad enough to keep Paul from, from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And we who are followers of him, of Christ, cannot be kept quiet either. And so Paul says, if this is true, if the good news is true, if what I've experienced is true, then here's some instructions on how to share it with others. And let's listen to his instructions. He says in Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. He says, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You know, I have heard Christians say this. I've heard them say, you know what? This is what I believe. This is mine. And I... I, I'm minding my own business. You, you believe what you believe. Um, I'm going to keep this to myself. To which I respond back and say, okay, I understand the sensitivity to your statement. However, our faith is intensely personal. It was never meant to be lived out privately. We can't 
keep this to ourselves. It is impossible because when your life has been radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, when you've experienced that change, it is impossible not to tell people about it. And that is never meant to be kept to ourselves. That is not what God called us to do. So this brings us to our bottom line today that simply says, God wants to use me to influence others toward Christ regardless of my circumstance. And in this passage, Paul gives us two principles to follow, to use, and to live by if we're going to influence others for Christ. And so I want to look at these two principles today. The first one is simply this. Paul says, pray. Principle number one, pray. If you're going to influence others for Christ, it starts with prayer. This is the difference maker, Christ followers, to pray. And I say this not to imply that you don't pray, but but Paul tells us specifically what to pray for if we're going to influence others for Christ. And he says, first off in verse two, he says, pray with an alert mind. In verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. This means to pray with your eyes open. Now, I don't necessarily mean to physically pray with your eyes open unless you're praying in the car, and then please, yes, keep your eyes open. But I wonder if this has ever happened to you. I have literally prayed this prayer. I have said, Lord, Open my eyes to see someone today that I could influence for you. And then I've driven my car past the person on the side of the road with a flat tire because I didn't think I had time to stop. I have literally prayed this prayer. I have said, Lord, open my eyes and show me someone that I could have influence over today for you. And then I've avoided eye contact with the waitress that I could see was struggling with her life circumstances. I've literally prayed this. Lord, open my eyes today to show me someone that I could have influence over for you. And then I have brushed my kids off at bedtime and not checked in on them because I was tired and I wanted to sit down. And then... After all of that, I've laid my head on my pillow at night and thought, huh, God didn't give me anybody today to influence. I mean, really? It's because I had my eyes closed. I wasn't alert. You know, ministry sometimes, oftentimes, is, is disguised as inconveniences. And, and we need our eyes open instead of closed if we're going to see it. And I wonder if it's happened to you too. Paul says if we're to influence others for Christ, we must pray with for an alert mind. Keep your eyes open. And then he follows it up with this. He says also make sure that you're praying with a thankful heart. He says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. This can be challenging. And that's why I included in our bottom line, you might have noticed, I included the phrase, uh, regardless of your circumstances. Because in our culture, 
you, you know what, it, it, we take so many things for granted. It can be so difficult to be thankful. I, I mean, we're not thankful for our homes because we want bigger ones. We're not thankful for our cars because we want better ones. We're not thankful for our food because we have so much food, it doesn't even cross our minds that we wouldn't have it. We're not thankful for our friendships because they're so easily replaced with digital friendships. We're not thankful for our families and our spouses and our kids and our parents because they become something to tolerate instead of something to cherish and enjoy. We're not thankful for this day. Most of us don't even want to get up to face it. We're not thankful for, for the things of like uh, uh, sunrises and sunsets and green grass and the color of the leaves and the white snow, we forget those, the greatness of those things. We've forgotten that each day is a gift. Each breath we take is a gift. And we've forgotten. You know, it's just going to be in a couple of days that we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving Day together. And the reality is every day is Thanksgiving Day. I know some of you, though, might be saying this. You might be saying, Charles, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I have to go through. You don't know what I have to face. To which I respond, you're right. I, I don't. I don't know him. But I do know Paul's. And Paul is writing this letter from prison in chains. And this is a circumstance none of us would want to be in. And yet even in that circumstance, Paul clearly trusts in God's sovereignty and in his ability to strategically put him wherever he sees fit for the purpose of sharing the gospel. And God does this in our lives too. We can influence others for Christ in spite of, of our circumstances, but it begins with a thankful heart. So may we begin each day with a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe you don't know what this prayer even sounds like, so let's steal one from, from David. Psalm 136, David writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods and the Lord of lords, for his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him alone who does mighty miracles, for his faithful love endures forever. Begin each day praying for an alert mind and a thankful heart. But then Paul goes on to say this, pray for opportunities. In verse 3, it says, pray for us too, that God would give us many opportunities. And this is when praying with an alert mind is so critical. Because often we have opportunities to influence others for Christ, but we miss them. Stay alert, and in your alertness, pray for these opportunities. And I admit, of all the prayers, this one is scary. This one is dangerous to me. When, when, when I think about this... It, it, I want opportunities to influence others for Christ that are always comfortable. I want God to put people in my path that I could influence that I like, that are clean, that are friendly, that I enjoy being with, that don't bug me, that don't leech my time and my resources and my energy. 
and, and places that are always comfortable. Oh, Lord, give me somebody on a white sandy beach in the Caribbean to influence, please. But you know what? That is not the reality because often influencing others for Christ is dirty work. It happens in places that are difficult and demanding with people who are difficult and demanding. And they're often people who are down, people who are out, people who find themselves at the end of their rope. And you know what else makes this prayer dangerous? Is that these opportunities often arise out of my own struggles and my own experiences. I've seen God use difficult things in my life that he's brought me through that I can help others and influence them for Christ through. You know, I always think the best people to help others through difficult circumstances are people who have gone through those difficult circumstances themselves. And that's why praying for opportunities to influence others can be dangerous because if God is bringing you through a life experience that is difficult, I wonder if he's just getting you ready to influence someone for him. You know, I, there's a sweet woman at our church um, that I got a chance to talk to a couple of weeks ago for a while and, and I didn't even know her name for the longest time. I, 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 I just, in fact, the first time I went to visit her at the hospital, I called the hospital and they said, who are you looking for? And I went, um, Grammy. And they said, what's her name? And I'm like, I don't know, Grammy, that's her name. Everyone calls her Grammy. And, 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 and I tell you, this because she's at a place in her life filled with doctor's appointments, filled with nurses, filled with traveling to and from specialists, to getting going to the pharmacist, going to all these different doctor's appointments and things. That's where she's at in her life right now. And as I sat and I talked to her, she told me this. She said, there's not a nurse or a doctor I come in contact with that doesn't hear about Jesus and what he has done for me. She said they all get invited to come to the chapel. So I asked her. I said, do we have any doctors or nurses that are coming to the chapel because you invited them? And she said, a lot. A lot. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances, God is using Grammy to influence those around her for Christ. And you know what? He can do the same thing with you and your circumstances. A side note before I go on. Um, uh, Grammy was uh, sent to Toledo. She was life flighted this past week. She had a stroke. And, and I saw her on Friday. Um, she's as sweet as ever. But but was having a tough time talking, and, and her left side wasn't working real good. I think she's, she's making some headway now, but I'm asking you to pray for Grammy this week, if you would. Pray that not only she gets better, but pray that those doctors and those nurses that she's once again coming in contact with will undoubtedly hear about the good news of Jesus Christ through Grammy.
Please pray for that. And then Paul ends this by saying, you know what else you should pray for? Pray that we would proclaim the message clearly. Pray for clarity. And I tell you, I have messed this up bad. I have jumbled my words. I have mixed my thoughts. I have spoken with the clarity of a five-year-old trying to explain quantum physics. I have screwed up this, and I have echoed Moses' prayer. Moses prays this. He says to the Lord, I'm not good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Moses said this, and I've echoed those words, and I wonder if that's your fear too. And if it is, let me encourage you today, because I am convinced that the Lord has an ability to take your words and to change them and redistribute them to hit people's ears the way he desires them to hear. I'm convinced that that happens when we pray for clarity. I've experienced this. I have walked off of this stage before on a Sunday and thought to myself, wow, I couldn't have messed that up any worse than what I just did. That was horrible. I didn't say anything I planned to say, and the things that I did say that I planned to say, I said all wrong. Jeez. Only to five minutes later have someone in the atrium come and say, thank you, I needed to hear that today. And I go, what? Did you not hear the words that came out of my mouth? And, I, and I'm convinced in those moments, God can take our words and he can change them and redistribute them to people's ears. I'm convinced, you know, the Lord will give you clarity when you ask for clarity. So everything Paul here, he's telling us and encouraging us here through, through prayer is, is influencing people with our speech and sharing verbally the good news of Jesus Christ is like giving someone the lyrics to the song. But you know what? It's how we live our life that's going to provide the music. And so that brings us to our second principle here. Principle two, Paul says simply, live. He says, live. Paul finishes his instructions to us here with this final principle. He says there's two important factors for how we should live. He says, first, if we're going to live convincingly for Christ, then we need to, li- to be careful of how I act. In Colossians 4, 5, he says, live wisely among those who are not believers. You know, this translates literally to mean live with integrity. Not hypocrisy, integrity. And a life that's been changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, it will look different because we've become new people. We're not, we're not our old selves with additions added on. No, no, no. He completely wipes out our old selves and he's made us new. We are a new creation. And so Paul says in the previous chapter here in chapter 3, what that looks like to be a new creation. He says, look, this is how you should look. This is how you should act. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patientness. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. And above all, clothe yourselves 
with love. I have to ask, is this how other people describe you? Are these words what other people would say about you? When, when we are outside these walls and you have situations come up and hit you at work, hit you at home, and you react, is this the list that your family and your coworkers would use to describe you? This is how we have to act if we're going to influence others for Christ. And this, this is not because we have to. It's because we're new. We're brand new. And if we've been made new, then this is who we will be. May the world recognize Jesus Christ through us because of these behaviors. And so I ask you, how do you act? And then Paul throws this one at us. It's not only in how we act. He says, if we're going to live convincingly for Christ, then it's also in how I sound. In verse 6, he says, let your conversations be gracious and attractive. And I look to James, the brother of Jesus, to see what this would look like. And he says, hey, hey, he says, your speech, you should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. I really, really wish James would have said, no, 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 you should be argumentative, abrasive, and defensive. But he doesn't. He says, slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. My mom used to say this to me. Maybe your mom used to say it to you. She'd say, Charles, watch your mouth. All the time. All the time. Charles, watch your mouth. Because the words that came out of my mouth were not being gracious, were not being attractive. If we're going to influence others for Christ, our words must sound this way. Our conversations must be a dialogue, not a monologue. We must listen. We must learn so that we have permission to speak and people will want more not less. And I hate saying this, but I have to once again. This is so true when it comes to social media. Please, when you are posting on Facebook, if my mom was standing up here today, I think she would read many of your posts and say, watch your mouth. Be gracious and attractive with how you sound. Because this is this is going to influence others for Jesus Christ. And so I want to close in a moment just giving you a couple of next steps. But before you do, before I do, I want to, I want to just address one last thing. And maybe you're wondering this. Maybe you're questioning this. And that is, if I do all of these things that Paul suggests, all of them, and I attempt to influence others for Christ, can I be guaranteed success? No. And I hate that. And here's why. It's because other things have other responsibilities. Our responsibility is to be obedient. Our responsibility is to pray. Our responsibility is to live convincingly for Christ as Paul has outlined. Our responsibility is to share our faith. That is our responsibility. But then, but then God has a responsibility. His responsibility is to move, to open ears, to open minds. That's his. That's not ours. 
And then the person has a responsibility. The person we're sharing with can either say yes and follow Christ, or they can say no and walk away. They have a choice to make. And so I, I, we are, can only own what we can own. It's only my responsibility to do my part. And I have to be honest with you, I hate this. Because I like to control it all. And I like to, I like to fix things. And I like people to make decisions for the Lord. I want to make that happen. But I can only own what I can own. I have walked with people for hours, days, months, even years sharing about Jesus. Only have them to say no and turn around and walk away and go the other direction. And I tell you what, that hurts and it's disappointing. But I have to trust God in those moments and say, I've done what I can do. Oh, it's up, it's up to you. And I have to hand it off to him. So trust him in those moments, please. Now let me give you some next steps to follow. Next step one, choose Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to following Jesus, boy, that is your first step. That, that is what must happen next. And so... Um, I tell you, there's some greeters with, with lanyards that you could talk to after the service. There's someone at the welcome desk. There's worship team members floating around. There's staff members. There's people you can talk to if you want to make that decision today. Maybe you're at the place where you just want some more information. You're interested. Great. Friday night and Saturday morning this week, we have foundations classes in Sandusky. It's a safe place for you to come and get more info. It's a safe place for you to ask questions. And so I encourage you, make sure you get signed up for that foundations class this coming Friday night and Saturday. That could be a great place for you to, to take this next step. And maybe you're here and you've already done that. Well, then your next step is number two, pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray uh, uh, for alertness. Pray for the thankful heart. Pray for opportunities. Pray for clarity. Pray for these things that Paul suggests. This is our strongest weapon we possess. Pray. And maybe you begin praying, and so now you need to look at step three. That is my three. These are three people in our life that we can have influence over that might not know Jesus. These could be family members, they could be co-workers, they could be friends and neighbors. Who is in your life that God has put around you that you can influence, that you can pray for, love, serve, care for in a special way? That's my three. Who are your my three? And then the fourth step is, at some point in time, there has to be an invite. At some point in time, you need to speak up. At some point in time, you need to share with your my three your story and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And you know what? That could simply come through an invite. I really hope that the chapel is a safe place for you to bring your family and your friends. I hope you feel safe and comfortable doing that because we welcome you to do that every week. But there's some special services that we offer too to make that I hope even easier next weekend we have our baptism services and in those services you're going to hear stories of people's real life change because of the good news of Jesus Christ 
next week you hear that. Maybe, maybe that would be a great time to invite someone. Or Christmas Eve, you know, inside your welcome programs is a, is a card, and it's a Christmas Eve invite card. And that is for you to take and to give to somebody, to invite them. And if you need more cards, um, there's some at the Welcome Center you can pick up. Take, take what you need to be able to uh, invite others to come to our service on Christmas Eve. Maybe that's an easy way for you to invite. Um, at some point, you need to share. Influencing others for Christ can be dangerous, yes. And that's why it must start with prayer. And it must start with how we live. So may we do that well. Would you stand with me? Let's close with our benediction, our memory verse. You only have one more week with our memory verse, so let, let, let's, uh, let's say this together. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen.